folks, one of the Redneck Country Podcast. You were on with Real Redneck Tom Millard, and of course, we've got the almost guy, Real Redneck Bill Tom. Bill, are you there? I am here, and uh, it's a beautiful night for a podcast. It is a beautiful night for a podcast, and you are fresh out the Rona. Well, yeah. You know, I got, uh, I go back to work tomorrow. Uh, my boss uh, gave me an extra day to rest and recuperate, which uh, I took and I was okay with. So I'm uh, feeling pretty good. I got no uh, no symptoms. Uh, this head cold uh, sound is the only thing that's wrong. I was say, you sound kind of stuck. You got that sexy voice kicking. I, I do, eh? Yeah. That's my, I mean, I'm not voice. your dad was mentioning it to me. Right, right, right. <laughs> I see. Yeah, well, we'll uh, feel a lot better uh, tomorrow when I get up and get back to a regular routine of working and stuff. But I tell you one thing for sure. Well, let's introduce your dad first and all. Oh, oh <laughs> you want to go there first? Sounds like you're yeah, kissing some just... butt. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And sit beside me, as always, is the patriarch redneck country, my father, real redneck, Dom Millard. Dad, is your mic hot? It's hot. It was a great night for a walkover. Good deal. So what I was going to say was I get how you are able to do the things that you can do at home because you don't drive anywhere in throughout the course of your day. And this last week without having to drive two hours or you get so much hours, more done. I got a lot more done. I got a lot of stuff right? done in the Volkswagen. I was able to sleep in a few minutes later. I was just, I, I worked, don't get me wrong. I was on, on work calls every day and Candace was on her work calls every day, all that kind of stuff. And we, we did our work, but the simple fact is I was able to eat lunch uh, from the fridge. Uh, I didn't have to uh, pack a lunch in the morning, uh, which I don't do anyways. My wife does, let's be honest. Uh, and I'm, what are you laughing at? Your mom makes your lunch. Never mind here. So, she hasn't but, in and, a while. You know that? What's up with yeah. that, Dad? She hasn't swung by with, I'm kind of disappointed in this. Yeah. yeah, you were. You're welcome. Did you? Um, I, don't, I don't know. It only took forty some odd years. <laughs> but I tell you, without that, I was able to be way more efficient than uh, there. So I get the reason why you want to look like Hans or Franz. I'm not sure which one it is. <laughs> I'm Hans. <laughs> with, with flexing your, your and here whatever. To pump you up. Yeah, exactly. It, it, the next time I open my Facebook and see that, I'm unfriending you. That's for sure. <laughs> that bad dude. I got to do it. So that was, anybody listening, I, I like attention and I'm slightly narcissistic, but I know it. So Shocked am I really, am I really narcissistic? I mean, not to sound <laughs> arrogant or cocky or anything or appear as arrogant or cocky or anything, but on good workout days, I like to post my results. Yeah. So, and I, right. I topped out my, my 90 pound adjustable dumbbells. I topped them out and I'm like, it's bittersweet, right? It's a good thing. But now, now what? I topped them out. So yeah. I had to post that. And my brother-in-law who works out with me, uh, he started, this is week seven for him, I believe week seven or week eight. He, uh, he wasn't here when I was lifting yesterday morning uh, because he was going to have to do it later. So that was my challenge to him. But does why Bill did, did it bother you? Did it did it make you feel I I don't know like a million bucks kind of green and wrinkled? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly the way it made me feel. I had just finished eating. Let's put it that way, and then uh, just lost you didn't my throw lunch. up a little bit in your mouth. A little bit, a little bit there. So all I can say is. Uh, you just keep working. There, I like so. to post it on Facebook. I like attention, and then you get the likes and and stuff like that. It's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Isn't that what social media is for? 
There it is. There you go. Social media bound. Todd Millard. Go check it out. <laughs> Todd the Man Millard on, on IG. I actually shouldn't say that. Yeah, Let's just stick both. with Redneck Country. We're good with that. Yeah, it was both my Instagram and uh, Facebook. Well, because I figured out how to up. post it to both. You did. Yeah. The technology is yeah. a wonderful High thing. High-tech redneck, baby. We got it. her rocking and rolling. And sure. Snapchat. Yeah, well, they'll never go there. That's for sure. But I can tell you one other thing, too, is I cannot believe how soft you are. What do you mean like soft? Stay, stay puff marshmallow soft. What does that mean, soft? Soft. Stay puff marshmallow. Many, Where are you going with this? How many other people do you know that walk around with a portable buddy heater when they travel? <laughs> None, because no one's None. as smart as me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that was the other humorous post I wanted to bring to the Let podcast. Let me tell you what. Today. You know how many people were wanting that heater out there? They're like, Todd brought a heater. Todd brought a heater. You can't do that. I said, show me the rule book. Well, can I borrow it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty certain that in the ATA rule book, it does not say anything about a portable heater on the line. He was getting no. chirped for it too, though, Bill. He, he chirps no everybody, and they, they were, were just jealous. They were, they were chirping them, but <laughs> others wanted it, and and I was afraid I was gonna. We were gonna have a five man squad all shooting from one station. Yeah, <laughs> it was a cold day. You went. Oh, it was, it was cold. Shooting. It was yeah, cold, it was and it was windy, cool. really bad. Really and that, uh, that buddy heater stayed lit through station to station. Oh, dude, it was awesome. Uh, dual yeah. tanks in that sucker stayed right on me. My leg was on fire, but I dropped my hand down there and, and, and the heat just comes up and just keeps it warm. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's awesome. I, I highly recommend shoot, it. Though. It did actually. Uh, yeah. Cause, cause I, I was not cold. I wasn't cold, which then just helps you shoot. Well, did, how did it you helps shoot? you stand on the line, but he didn't shoot very good. Oh, I did with my gun. So me and dad traded guns. <clears throat> did you? Well, we did because dad, I said to dad, he, he's taken, when you're shooting in the dark with the lights on, you can really see, we've talked about this, right? You can really see where you're hitting them because all yeah. that's out there, pitch black sky. Like we're in the country, it's farm field and the lights on and all you see is orange target, like a sunbeam coming out of that trap house. And so- you know where you hit it, especially if you put full choke in and dad's running fixed full, right? So when, when you hit, you know, if you're left, right, top, bottom, and when you get dust, you see the dust. And I said to dad, every target he's missing in the practice, he was getting dust. So the last two targets I stopped and I handed him my gun and typically he can't shoot it because it shoots high, right? Like 13 inches at 30 yards high. And, but he smashed the, the last two targets. And I said, there you go. You got to, you're, you're shooting, you're shooting quicker. And because he was shooting really slow, I said, you're shooting well, after his, he tore his muscle off his shoulder. I'm sure we'll hear the whine in a it's, minute. It's back, baby. <laughs> I don't even notice it now. <laughs> anyway. Oh, hey, look at that. Anti-wine. It's gone now. So I handed him my gun. He smashed it. I said, all right, now when we, when we go to the line, you're going to shoot my gun. I'll shoot your gun. Well, I'll tell you what, dad's Winchester 101 is at the stocks a little way bigger than, than mine. And it shoots way lower. And it, yeah, well, it's longer, right? Longer. Okay. It's, it's longer. Like longer I'm running length of pole. I'm running that robo stock. So mine's, I got yeah. nothing, no, no thickness to it. I mean, aside from your cheek piece, right? But yeah, his, the, sorry for those listening, precision fit stock. Go check him out. It, pretty cool stocks. It shock it completely adjustable everything. Anyway, so his stock is like crazy long for me. It's like fourteen and three quarter inch length of pole. Fourteen and a half. I I shoot thirteen and a quarter. Yeah, right. Like a so, normal person. <laughs> anyway, so and then it's it compared to my gun. It just feels a, a bit heavier. I don't know, thicker, 
different. It so it's uh, a little bit more in your gun too, I bet. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, 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 and I, and it's not as high. I got to track the crap out of them. So I missed some, I was cocky too. I'm like, I'm running 25 with dad's gun. That didn't happen. So <laughs> we shot 10 dad still was not doing as well. So his we switched gun, back his gun and terrible. that those last 15, I smashed, I smashed. His gun was terrible. Not to sound cocky or arrogant or anything. <laughs> yeah. I smashed. Now, if I hadn't talked him in, if he hadn't talked me into trading for the first round of the competition, I, I might've done a little better because after I got my gun back, I thought, okay, if I'm, if I'm taking dust off the bottom of them, I'm not mounting the gun properly. So, I started lifting the gun high, bringing it down in, and I realized that I was not. It was in the wrong place. I wasn't getting a good figure eight because I always closed one eye, looked down the barrel, made sure I had the figure eight with the beads, and then looked towards the target and called for it. And in the dark, I wasn't doing that because I was waiting for the target to see it. So I lifted the, I lifted the gun up, put it, and I realized I didn't have the figure eight. So I adjusted the gun on my shoulder and got the figure eight. Oh, there we go. No dust now. Ended up shooting a 22. I had a 23 if I hadn't missed the last target. I thought, no, a 23. I shot a 23 because I thought, I'm going to have a 24 here. I'm going to end up with a 24. And the last target, I just hurried and shot and missed it. Oh, 23. Are you a one-eyed shooter or two? No, I'm a two. But But you start off with one eye just to get your figure eight. I looked down the barrel to make sure I got the figure eight. But in the dark, you don't, I wasn't doing that. I was just putting the gun up, felt good, and then looking toward the target. You want to know what I took away from that whole story right there? What's that? What's that? That it took me to give him my gun to help him shoot better. Is that, is that... Like I, I'm not, I'm not narcissistic or, or no, anything no, like and that. you're and you're welcome, Dad. You're welcome. <laughs> but but I fix your problems. That's, what I, that's I just what I'm heard. saying. I have <laughs> no idea how giving me that piece of crap helped me shoot better. <laughs> piece of <laughs> crap. <laughs> but anyway, then then I got thinking. Okay, in the summer I don't shoot with a hood up either. And well, who does this in the first place? Well, Listen to this garbage. So Sunday at the competition. I put the hood down and got my cheek right against the stock. You mean you didn't oh, have yeah. material between your cheek and the stock? Ooh, and that, that's going to affect right. the point of it. Yes, and, and it does. And it slides. <laughs> your cheek slides. So anyway, but Sunday, I mean, I had a lot more confidence. And I was staying with them and I was breaking them better. But it was so windy. There were not any good scores on Sunday. No, we won't and talk about Sunday. It was terrible. Yeah. Oh, it was a terrible weather day. I was going to do a pork shoulder. And uh, one thing led to another. And I'm glad I didn't start the, the barbecue because it would have not Whoa. been fun. It's a really bad day if it stops you from cooking or grilling. Oh, yeah, it was it was brutal on, on Sunday for weather up here. It, it was whiteout conditions all over the place. And Candice and I just said, absolutely not. It's just. It's just not safe, even with all the snow that's out here. But uh, yeah, if, if if it stops me from barbecuing, you know it's a tough day, a tough weather day. Oh yeah, it was so. bad. I mean, I, I shot a twenty twenty-two. I shot a twenty-two in the singles, but the wind beat me on three targets. In yeah. fact, there was one target. I was just getting. I was pulling the trigger. There it was. I was pulling the trigger, and then it bounced. It went up. And I knew I couldn't stop pulling the trigger, and I just took my forearm, just threw the bunk gun up, and I got it. And I went, oh, my gosh, that was impressive. I got that one. So I realized that I don't need, my, need the hood up. i got to leave the hood down. 
and I've got to look for that figure yeah, eight. Only two shoots think. left. Took him eight shoots, but he figured it out. Yeah, yeah. Seventy-four yeah, years true. later, and two two shoots left. We got her locked in. And on Sunday, <laughs> Bill, with the wind the way it was, Bill shot a nineteen in the handicap, and oh, he was yeah. pumped. Bill was top on his squad. I was top on my squad, and Bill won thirty-one dollars. Oh, did they have the numbers? Uh, yeah, Bill won thirty-one dollars, and I won, and Todd didn't get nothing. <laughs> <sighs> oh, oh, how do you feel, son? I don't want to talk about. It. Let's go back to Wednesday night league. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go back. To Wednesday let's Wednesday go. Night let's league. talk about that. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be good Wednesday. It's gonna be warm. It's gonna be like they say, like six degrees here. Well, maybe. I mean, it's supposed to. It's supposed to warm up. Like I said, winter is over. Except for today, <laughs> you keep you again. keep saying, "Dude, I thought it was until you yeah. just said that again." Warren Willie, <laughs> Wednesday night, it, Todd chirps everybody, and you're and you we're there for four hours, and you shoot three rounds. I mean, you got lots of time to stand around and visit. What do you mean I chirp everybody? Oh, he chirps on about everything and anything, and. Like it's unbelievable. Well, they can't punch you, Bill. If they punch you, they lose. I go chirp people at hockey. I get knocked out. I go to the gun club and chirp people. They don't want to punch me. They're going to lose their gun license. The last (laughs) round, the third (laughs) round, we're we're shooting away there, and Bill Malcolm is scoring, and he says, "We called the last target dead. All slide or yeah, dead. All slide, and Todd missed one, and everybody else hit five. And I thought that was the perfect way to call it around. It was very poor. That's how he called it. Poor etiquette. He says, he says Todd missed one. Everybody else hit five. Poor <laughs> etiquette. <laughs> so thanks, Bill. Yeah, I started laughing. Uh, that was good, Bill. Not to sound humble or anything, but thanks, right. Bill. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna knock you down a peg or two every now and then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. So. So yeah. Well, so aside from that, we went to uh, we went to a hockey game. I, I just want yeah. to mention that because a good buddy of mine got us some tickets to the local junior uh, hockey junior B hockey game, and it did not disappoint. It was good. And the week before that, I didn't mention it, but I should because my daughter was so pumped. We got tickets to the OHL Ontario Hockey League to the London Knights uh, given to us, and and there were decent tickets. We went, and then in between the first and second, her her sister was saying she wasn't sure if she wanted to go. She's eight, and my my oldest used to go with me all the time and she wasn't sure if she wanted to go. And so she was like, well, I don't know. And then my, my oldest said, but you'll get pizza and you get chocolate bar and you get slushies <laughs> at, at dinner. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, where are we it's going all with this? Like, snacks yeah, at that age, back her off. So she was in. So we went and between the first and second, it was crazy busy to get the sl- at the slushy counter. So we were a little late coming back and on our way back, we get to where our seats were going to be and we got to wait because we're just, the, the play just started. You got to wait for a whistle to go back to your seat. And so we're sitting there and I'm chit chatting with the guy that stops you, a super nice guy. And then this dude comes up with a microphone. He's like, Hey, you guys want to play a contest? And my daughter instantly goes into quiet, shy mode, which she's more like me, which I'm, I'm hoping she grows out of that because that is not her. <laughs> and so I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you don't have to do anything, but look at the camera. And so then she goes, camera. <laughs> she's like, well, yeah, you're going to be on TV. It's all good. And you'll be up on the Jumbotron. And she's like, uh, blank stare. And I'm like, we're in. 
And so we could have won windows and doors, uh, a London Knights jersey, or $50 gift certificate for something. I don't remember what it was. And so all we had to do was stand there and, and let this wheel spin on the big thing. And they, hey, we got Todd and Avery here and blah, blah, blah. And, and so that was the coolest thing. She won a jersey. We got to go down to the store, pick out a jersey and the whole nine yards. Oh, nice. So that was <laughs> her deal. first ever. Well, no, it wasn't. We, we went with a family before COVID, but this was her first that she could kind of remember. Like she was five or six. And, oh, she and, won't forget that. But that was, yeah, now we, we're going to hockey games, man. She's in. Yeah. I mean, you got a couple of good teams there too. I don't know, um, like the, the stats or anything, but London Knights are, oh, uh, they're the, the, yeah, you can't, you, you talk to the hunters, right? That they, 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 they just know hockey and I don't even yeah. care how bad the team is going before the playoffs, going into the playoffs. They're going to make sure that they're, they're playing. Yeah. So yeah, like you can't go wrong going to watch the Knights. And we got a, a couple of the St. Thomas got, junior B stars just got uh, drafted up. So yeah, to the Knights. The so. Colts here. And we uh, were fortunate enough a couple of times a year to get tickets to go to the Barry Coles games and stuff. And always good hockey, always good entertainment. With COVID and stuff, we haven't gone, obviously, in the last year and a half. But it, when we go, we absolutely have a blast. And it's good hockey. You know, not as many fights as there used to be when, when I was growing up. Yeah, what's up with uh, that? There's hardly any hockey, hits, too. There's more like watching Sweden play. But Yeah, but it's, uh, you know, we got a, we got a team here, and, and they usually make the playoffs. But... That's uh, that's another another podcast, I think. Yeah, we'll have to start oh, one yeah. like Thursday nights or something like that. But anyway, no, yeah, no, no, it was there. pretty good. So I just want to mention that because cool. my daughter was pretty pumped. And sorry to take up all the time. So, Bill, what'd you do? Well, that's it. You know, I talked about COVID. Talked about uh, the Volkswagen uh, restoration project. There, I won't talk on that too much because I know that's not the the interest of the the group. <laughs> but I tell it's you, a I'm Volkswagen. Making, uh, well, <laughs> the interest of me. I know, and yeah. I sent you pictures on that. Uh, this I week appreciated and, that. Too. I didn't get any pictures. Oh my gosh, you, that motor. Looks amazing. Am I out of the texting loop? You're you know, out of the Volkswagen texting yeah. loop, that's for sure. Yeah. Hey Jay, it, text me something you, cool. You keep <laughs> you keep chirping Volkswagen. You're out, buddy. Yeah, that, that motor looks amazing. Wiring, you know, I, I'm pretty proud. I got all the wiring done, proven out. Everything is connected, hooked up. Uh, switches have been cleaned. Uh, everything works the way it's supposed to. Radio. I finished uh, the installation of the radio wires today. Uh, you know, it, it's just coming along, and I'm starting to see parts piles dwindling which is a good thing because those parts are actually in the vehicle but i managed to spend quite a bit of money while i was home on covid for the week i saved a bunch of gas money but i spent all kinds of money on the volkswagen so at the end of the week yeah but at the end of it we're, we made some good headway and uh unfortunately it wasn't a whole lot of outdoorsy type stuff with the weather and, and the, uh, the isolation stuff but we're right back at it looking for a story from your dad and, and hoping to hear some some more about the days of lead and uh, the days of lead is that where we're going we're gonna carry that on I think so. I mean, I got some pictures that were, were sent to. Or, oh, see, see, 1972 ready. is a good year because yeah, I have a Volkswagen yeah. Super Beetle of that yeah. year in my garage. You got that, <laughs> Let's right. hope the story runs faster than that car. <laughs> I don't know if I told you. I was out walking last week and there's a young couple around the corner moved in. I got to know them because their dog knocked me down a couple times and they're a nice couple. And and I'm out walking and she's just going in the lane. She says, hey, you got that yellow tea bucket around the... yeah." She says, come on and see my husband's car. And, and he, I think, I don't know if I told you or not, he's building a dragster in his garage. Nice. So I went in and, and he's he's working on it. And he says, uh, anytime the lights are on, you know, I'm in working on it. Come on in. Because I walk around the block quite a bit. So, yeah. It is an absolute labor of love. That's for mm-hmm. sure. He just doesn't know dad well enough yet. That that, yeah. that invitation will wear out quick. Yeah. <laughs> We're buds. <laughs> well. There you go. So we're, let's uh, 
Days of lead? Days of lead? Yeah. Are we still on this Days of lead? I think so. I got some good pictures that were sent to me today that yeah. I'm sure there's a story to accompany. Well, I got I got a bunch more that I'm anxious to send you, but I don't think we're going to get to them uh, tonight. But that's fine because, well, you know, we'll take our time. But Todd and, Todd and Care aren't even born yet. And I'm hunting five days a week, six days a week. world was pretty boring back then. Yeah. It was quiet, I can tell you that for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, driving around, looking for ducks, looking for geese. And uh, I remember I was south of town, out by the farm, family farm. And I wasn't too far away from the family farm. And I noticed uh, ducks this time hanging around this cornfield cut cornfield out by the family farm yep because they uh, don't really frequent there anymore like that's not a flyway if you will no but unless the farmers have you know filled in some ponds or something that they used to live in oh a lot of the ponds are gone but uh you can still find ducks out there a lot of wood ducks but wood ducks yes yeah but uh these were mallards so anyway Hunting five days a week, and invariably, Ron and I would get in, uh, in on the wrong shift. We would be on the opposite shift, and we'd fight like heck to try and get back together. But if we weren't, then I either had to go alone or find someone else. And I hunted with a lot of people, and, of course, the guys I worked with, they knew Ron and I's reputation. So if I said, anybody want to go with me in the morning? Oh, yeah, I got hands all over the place in the lunchroom. So <clears throat> this one morning, I got uh, I noticed a few ducks going into this cornfield there wasn't a lot but there was some flying around and i looked like a pond out there and i thought well we could sit in the bulrushes and stuff around that pond for concealment we didn't have hides or blinds or anything so this morning i got herb hate and i got john gall both guys i worked with and so we're sitting out in this in this pond on on this pond in this field and uh right at first light three mallards come low across the field right right to us Herb says, here comes three right at us, right low over the field. And they just kind of lifted up a little bit over the bulrushes, and then they were going to drop right in the pond right in front of us. Now, I had my Model 12. I don't know what Herb had, but I know John had an old single shot. What were you wearing for camouflage? Nothing. We didn't have camo. We had brown, just our brown coats. Our brown coats. Like canvas. Yeah, the heavy cotton duck. That's it. Anything brown. And that's what we hunted. But a light brown. It's yeah. like a tan color. Yeah. 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 So, you'll, yeah. You just notice all the pictures I've been sending. You know, that's the color. Oh, yeah. I got to undelete those texts. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, they looked like they were going to, they, they were going to drop in and I yelled, take them. And Herb and I shot almost at the same time. It was three mallard drakes and mine dropped instantly. Herb's dropped instantly, and John was just a little bit behind us, and he nailed it, and it it started to drop back in the water. And he went, I got it, and then it started to flap and fly and climb up, and all he had was a single shot, and he, said, he yells at me. He says, shoot that for me. I hit it. It didn't stay down. So I thought, oh, good. I get to shoot again. So I, I shot and dropped it right on the bank again, and John was, yeah, 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 we got one each. Way to go. And that was John's first duck. So everybody was pretty pumped. We got three. So we're sitting there for a bit and a, and a small bunch of about five or six come swinging around, but they weren't coming to the pond. They were looking to land in the cornfield and they swung around out of range about three or four times. And I said to Herb, they're not coming to this pond. They're, they're looking to drop in this cornfield and feed. So if we don't take them when they're close, we're, we're not going to, we're not going to get any. And so 
anyway, they they uh, buzzed us, and we figured they were close enough, and we went up and started shooting, and one come down. And I'm not even sure who hit it. I just know that one came down, and, and they left. And I said, well, I'll, I'll run out and get it. So I ran out about 30, 35 yards, and I'm just out there picking it up, and I hear Herb yell at me. I turn around and look, and here comes five right off to the left of the pond and it's turning and they're coming right over me. It looked like they were going to come right over me. I dropped down on one knee right beside that dead duck and they came right over me and I lifted the gun up and I fired and I got two at the first shot. And I watched them come down and thought, oh yeah, they're both dead. They're laying right there and Herb's yelling. I turned back to see what he was yelling at. He says, Shoot the rest of them. Shoot the rest. I was so mesmerized with getting two and them coming down and everyone remembered I had two more shells in the gun I never shot again. So we, we went home with with Those are the days, right? Yeah. Two home. comes across like that and you yeah. just one shot lay them down. Yeah. And and that was a fun day. I would drive around every day, every morning, even by myself, and everybody would go with me. And so I noticed a few geese landed in a field across the road. And a set of tracks went right through. You know where the tracks go through out there. A set of tracks went right through all the fields. And so Charlie Collins went with me the next day. I said, there's some geese flying around that field. I don't know if we can get close to them or whatever. So we got up and drove out there. Well, they were already in the field. And so Charlie says, well, they're not too far from that fence line. Maybe I can sneak in and get them. I said, well, I don't know, Charlie. I've never been able to sneak geese. Like you can sometimes sneak ducks if they're feeding across a field while they're lifting and moving. But geese, are they got the sentinels, their heads are up. He said, well, I'm going to see if I can get close to them on that side of the fence. I said, well, I'm going to walk down the tracks because the wind was really blowing hard that day. And it was, and so I walked down the tracks the way the wind was right up my back, blowing right at the geese. And they're feeding in a cornfield. Feeding in a cornfield. And the, the tracks were up up in the air so you had drop sides you know what it's like when you're hunting rabbits on there you shoot down at the ditches on each side of the tracks so i just laid down on the side of the tracks watching over top watching charlie sneak and sneak and then he disappeared and i thought well he might be crawling in the field and then all of a sudden they got up and i thought okay they're gonna fly right into the wind if he scared them they're gonna come right to me so they started to come to me and then they started to go too far south so i started calling and they Gee whiz, they turned right back and come. On the old PS old. Yep, on the old PS old. And they came, they just turned and came right back straight at me low because it was so windy. And I thought, oh, they're going to come right over me, right over these tracks. And when they hit the fence line on the other side of the tracks, I stood up and they came up over the tracks. They kind of flared because I stood up. I picked the lead goose's head. I pulled the trigger and two dropped. And pumped my Model 12, and it jammed. And that was the end of my shooting. But I got two geese with the first shot. So I shared shared one with Charlie, and Charlie says, well, I did a lot of work to get them to come to you. You sure did, Charlie. They came right to me in the way. If my gun had to jam, this is when I was starting to have trouble with it jamming. And, and that got, I had to end up. You didn't have uh, a piece put in your gun backwards by your hunting partner no, by chance, no, no. did he, you? He wasn't nope. even born yet. <laughs> Who would let their hunting yeah. partner touch their gun? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I guess it would only be if you were struggling trying to get it put back together and you needed some expertise. Or 
<laughs> or <laughs> yeah, okay, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. I, I was struggling to need the assistance. Well, or I was helping you. I was helping you conserve shells. I knew you only had a few, and if you'd taken a third shot, that was it. Would have been that rabbit would have been so far gone away from us, Bill, that you're, it was probably, probably right. a hairy man. Hail Mary, and I yep. needed you to conserve shells. So I think I think that's you did me a favor, is what you're telling put me. Put it back in the wrong way. You can only get two shells <laughs> in your gun. Where I, I did you a favor. What is that? Our Todd Tech tip for the week. Todd Tech tip for the week. You like that third yeah. shot on a rabbit? You got to really stop and think, folks. Is that third shot on that rabbit really worth that third shot on that rabbit? Yeah. Do you have a hunt partner that can put your gun back together so that you can only get two shells in it? That's what you if, need. Give me a call. If, if not, he, he may want to contact Todd Miller. That's right. <laughs> uh, you got to remember that I was shooting trap and hunting with that gun. So that gun got a workout. And so I, it didn't jam all the time. It just jammed that time. And it ticked me right off. Well, then I would I'd shoot again or I'd hunt or trap a shoot again or I'd hunt again and it'd be fine and then it'd jam again later on and I could never figure it out but you gotta remember that I was going to the gun club with Ron Underhill and some of them old guys they were gunsmiths man they knew everything there was and and Daryl Dennis to this day he knows everything there is about a Model 12 you have trouble with your Model 12 you go to Daryl Dennis thing is now you see very few Model 12s on the trap field anymore you used to see them all the time but not anymore so anyway, I got a, there was another day we were down, uh, my sister, my wife and I were down at her sister's and uh, they lived in uh, a, a trailer in a trailer park home. And so we're down there for supper and I noticed some geese flying a few fields over and I said, okay, going for a drive. I'll be back in about half an hour. So I drove around till I picked those geese up and I found out where they were going and I marked the, the spot and I thought, okay, that's a cornfield back in there between those two woods. And uh, I went back and visited and we went home. So the next night, right after work, I took everything to work with me. Didn't have to stop and ask permission, did you? Nope. Not back then. Nope. So I, right, I took everything to work with me. As soon as I got out of work, I headed right for that spot. I walked in and here was the cornfield and it was standing corn. And I thought, okay, there's got to be some cut corn in here somewhere. I just started walking and I came to a spot in the middle that was only about 40 yards wide from one side to the other that was cut. And I thought, oh, this couldn't be more perfect. Doesn't They're going to come down and come right down into that strip. And I knew which way they were coming from. They were going to come from my right and drop right in. Because they fly into the wind. They fly into the wind. And I knew where they were staying overnight. I knew the pond. Sorry, I should say they land into the wind. So I'm standing there in the corn. And sure enough, I hear the honking. And here comes about 20 geese. And they came down. And they came right down into that wind. and, And right down low. And they were tassel high coming right up that strip right in front of me and i jumped up and i picked the, the lead goose kawam he folded like a stone and come down i pumped the gun and it jammed and i had jammed the whole again. flock hanging right there the whole flock 20 yards in front of me hanging right there and, and they flare, they lift, they flare, and away they go. And I'm trying to figure out why does this do this once in a while? It's not ejecting all the way out. And when I slam the gun forward, I slam the, the brass of the shell in sideways and it won't close the gun. 
And I, I trying to figure it out. It looked like the ejector aren't worn. It looked everything. I, I couldn't figure it out. And while I'm standing there, it really ticked off at my gun. This guy walks down the edge of the cornfield and says, hey, buddy. I went, oh, hey, where were you? He says, well, if you step out here and look down there, you'll see our 20 decoys. <laughs> I never stepped into the open cornfield. And they had 20 decoys. And that's what them geese were looking at coming right down that strip. Oh, they were coming right in and you cut them off. I cut them off. They said, well, hey, what? come on down and stand with us. So, that's and awesome. I said, well, <laughs> You're a jerk. I said, you know what? They were coming. They come, they come down. The wind's blowing. They come right down. They fly right here in front of you and sideways. It's perfect. You stand up here. No, 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 no. We want, we want to be right over the decoys. You come. Yeah, but they're either going to land in front of them or they're going to flare and go around again. Like they were looking at your decoys. They were riveted. And that's why they were coming in. I didn't even realize you guys were there. They must've come in. They could have come in after me, before me. I don't know. They were far enough down. I don't know when they got there, but I didn't see them. They didn't see me. And he says, how come you only shot once? It's my gun jammed. So he says, no, come on down here with us. Okay. So I went down there and stood with them. Sure enough. This flock comes in and they're coming right down. And I look where I was and they were tassel hop top high again. They would have been broadside perfect, but we weren't there. We were down over the decoys and they came down towards the decoys and then they lifted and turned and went out over the corn. And these guys jumped up and started shooting and didn't get a darn thing. And I said, we really need to be down there while the, they're riveted on the decoys. And no, 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 no. We want to be over the decoys. Another flock come in and did the same thing and they got none again. And I didn't even, I didn't even jump up and shoot because they pulled up and flared before they, they were right at the end of the field and, and they flared before they went out. I said, well, see you guys. Took my goose and went home. I don't know whether they got it more or not. But <laughs> Screw you guys. Take yeah, my they, goose. They wouldn't yeah. listen to me anyway. And no, that would have been really good shooting down there. But You ever set up like that where you where you set up the decoys in a different location than, than you hunt. And I, oh, and yeah. I mean, we did that once, remember right on the lake, the cornfield right on the cliffs of the lake. And we were sideways to them and where they wanted to land was about 30 yards to our left. And they came right down in front of us and they were riveted and we shot a limit that morning. It was uh, early season. We could shoot 10 apiece. Isn't that when we shot a limit and then we were waiting on a buddy? Just as we shot the last one, my buddy showed up and we're like, we get another 10 geese. (laughs) (laughs) One more come in after that. One flock came in. Yeah. And And I think he got his first goose that day. Yeah. We let him shoot it, but it was one goose come right down the pipe and we were ready, but. But, uh, did, yeah, you, got, did you set up uh, knowing that you weren't going to hunt over the decoys? Oh, yeah, because of the way the wind was. We couldn't, the way the wind was coming, we'd be shooting right at the farmhouse. I'll tell you oh, what, Bill. And we it, had to shoot it, set up against the It's road. always my dream, right? And that's the J-hook that I talk about that yeah. I love because you make the pocket way the frick down the field, like 40 yeah. yards down from where you're set up. And it feels weird when you're sitting there because you're like, that's so far away where they're going to land. But they never land right in that pocket, like the J. They never land. They want to let you want to overload that 
that bottom of the J, right? So that they're comfy there. And you're in a long string of decoys, really thin, right? All the way down for as many decoys as you got. But you want to make that J of like the actual hook of the J as thick as possible because they're going to land in that comfy spot. They're going to land inside of that. So, but they don't land right on top of those. They'll land 20 yards back. So you're 40 yards back thinking, man, this feels uncomfy because they're going to land up. We're going to be out of it. But no, because they're focused on where they're going to land. They're not looking at you in that line on the J they're looking where they're going to land and they're low and coming right down that line of decoys that you're sitting in. And all of a sudden you jump up and we've had them where they don't even look at you. Do do they dad? We had them in, we were in drop two or three, before they even realize they're being shot at, they're wondering why these geese are falling. Oh, we had we had one. You have a single come in, and and me and Dad are there. And I said, "Okay, I got it." We jump up, and I'm holding on it, 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 because we're sitting up in the blinds, coffin blinds open up, sit up, put the gun up, and this thing's still cupped wings coming right down. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm not going to shoot this thing till it's like right in front of me, and it's still. At, eventually, I had to shoot it. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's impressive. Like they just don't see you. They're focused. Yeah. And if you can do it now, it's tough yeah. because it's got the wind's got to work out. You've got to be careful on the size of the field, because if they come down behind you on that line and they get outside of that J, they'll still land with the group of decoys, but they'll land on the outside of that J and they're out of range. And then you can't sit up and shoot behind you very easy. And then what if there's a barn or something there? So well, you got to I mean, be. Just, I've seen the way some people move. <laughs> You know, and it's tough to get out of the blind and turn around and <laughs> he and just chirped you, no, Dad. It's impossible. He just, he just chirped you, it, Bill. Im- welcome to the show, my man. But he's wrong. You know it's not tough. <laughs> but he's wrong. It's not tough. It's impossible. It's, you cannot sit up, turn over. I don't have a problem. Get on your knees and still have geese in range. It just you can't. Do I don't it. have a problem. I can't do it. I can't. can't I, I've seen it done. I've seen it done by a few. I've I've done it myself. Well, not to sound cocky or arrogant, but it's I, I, when I like a challenge, I'll set up so I know I they're going to come in yeah, behind I mean, me, and I'll I'll even blindfold I, myself at times. And that's actually what I do. I only hunt by sound. Shell in the gun typically, well, and you know, yeah. see how fast I can load the shells. Put, yeah. put a couple in your mouth. Get ready. Blindfold right. on. You listen to the whistle of the wings. Yep. Now, yeah, I'm, I'm with am you, the almost guy. I need uh, <laughs> a challenge. Right? You need an excuse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my headband yeah. became my blindfold. Yeah. Now, I took the gun to Daryl, and he did figure out why it wasn't completely letting go of that shell. I have no idea. He tried to explain it to me, but he did fix it so that I didn't have trouble with the gun jamming anymore. But in 1986, I did have to have the uh, uh, receiver rebuilt. And they say you cannot weld stainless steel. Well, Hugh McIsaac in Scotland, Ontario, he was an older guy then, and he was the best gunsmith I ever saw. He reblued my Model 12 for me. It looked beautiful. Daryl had fixed that problem, and I took it down to him, and he rebuilt the uh, receiver. He, he welded it all up like a big chunk and then remachined it to the right specifics and put it back in. And he charged me $150 plus tax. And I looked oh, up the bill this morning. You can't, you can't buy a new one for that. Yeah, I mean, I looked up the bill this morning, 1986. He did that for me. He was good. I'll tell you what. I, I decided I had a Remington 1100 trap. My first trap gun bought it off of... 
Parkinson, right, Dad? Parkinson. Yeah. Old old school. He owned a gun shop in London, Ontario here, and was an old school trap shooter. And it was his trap gun from like night. It was an. His, it's a. I still have it. Gun. It's yeah. a yeah. It's like a 1963 Remington 1100 trap, and that's what I bought. That's what I could afford, 400 bucks, and that was my trap gun, and it did me well. And uh, so I, I finally, I'm like, I want one with adjustments. I'm seeing all the guys with adjustable combs and everything. We're going on the gun store tour. And so we're okay. This Saturday, we're going to hit every gun store that, that we can get to. So we'll, we started all the way out in Rodney at Santa Rosa shooting sports. And Bill Santa Rosa was a good dude. Bless his soul. So we went in there and I said, what do you got for trap guns? And he was a trap shooter. What do you got for trap guns? And so he had on consignment, a BT 99 plus. Now they've redone this thing. Like the BT 99, BT 100, BT 99, golden clays, BT 99 plus, BT 99 plus and the newer pluses and plus and plus and plus. And, but this one was one of the first pluses. It had a shock in the stock. It had an adjustable um, rib an adjustable comb. Everything was adjustable. Like, this was past what I was looking for. And what did I pay that? 800 bucks? Yeah, oh, I don't even remember. Yeah, I think it was 800 bucks, but he said it was on consignment. So I'm like done. And, but it, it was a little bit loose, like where it, where it went together. There was a little bit of play there. And so we went and we hit every gun store all the way to Simcoe. And I, we went into Eli's and Simcoe and I said, I got this BT 99 plus that I just bought. They had a brand new Beretta 682 trap. And I, and they said, we'll bring it in. We'll maybe give you a trade. And they had just taken over from the previous owner of Eli's, which was Eli, who was another good, really good guy, really good gunsmith. gunsmith. He'd put a middle bead on your gun for 25 bucks while you wait. I don't even throw it. It's fun. 25 bucks. Might've been 10 bucks. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was when I first got mine, that was $8. Yeah. It was like, and, and, and while you That's wait crazy. on the spot. He like, never done in 20 minutes. Yeah, it was I awesome. To, I used to turkey hunt down there with uh, Brian Norman, and we went into Eli's for second tags and, and supplies and stuff like that. Oh, he, he was a good dude. And so yeah. um, I went in, and it's the new owners. And so they said, well, I'll go get it, and we'll, we'll maybe give you a trade. And so I'm looking at this Beretta, and, and they did. They offered me, I, I can't remember, I think they offered me something like 1500 bucks to trade it in on this Beretta 682. Now, the 682 was 2400 I think. So I'm going, but the stocks on Berettas, like they're meant to be you you, you got to cut them down and that that this bt99 that shock it, it would it's adjustable you know the gun right it's adjustable you can yes. make it shorter and i'm looking at this going man i'm into i'm into more money and just stock work to get this gun to fit because that piece of lumber is freaking huge so you know what no, I'm going to wait and see. So dad said on our way home, well, why don't we go by Scotland? We'll see if Hugh McIsaac's sitting in his, uh, in his barn and see if he can look at that and maybe, and build it back up like solder so that it, it closes tight. So there's not so much play. So we pulled in and sure enough, he's sitting in there having a cup of tea and he had so many guns lined up on that wall. He had bluing tanks and everything and, and with tags in the end. And I don't even know, like 50, 60 dad that had, and I said, he says, I got all these. I got to work on. I'm like, holy crap. Like he had work to do. And, and he says, and I said, well, I, I, if I, can I leave it? Like, I just I, it, look at what it's doing. And he looked at me in disgust and he ripped it. I'm not kidding yet. Cause I'm a young punk kid, right? He looks at me because we're going back 20 plus years now. And he looks at me in disgust and he rips it out of my hand and he walks over to this bench and he pulls off the stock and he takes the plates out and he, he's, he's, looks at it. He reaches up on his giant pegboard of parts. There's a spring in a bag. He pulls that out, flips out a spring out of it, puts a new spring in. And dude, you could not open that gun. It was so tight. 
That thing locked right up. He goes, build it back up. It's just a spring. <laughs> Stupid kid. And, what do you know? <laughs> and I said, how much do you want for it? He says, nothing. You have a good day. And just, that was the, the, the kind. lesson was worth more than, I than anything right there. I tell you what. And now I've got that gun. And I mean, it was, it, it, it's today it's worth some cash. And I, I paid 800 bucks for it, which was maybe half price of what it was worth. And maybe even more like it, 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 it's, it was a mint condition. It was awesome. Aside from that loose spring, that's all it was. Right place at the right time. And that's he's just a, was. yeah, just a good dude to know an old school gunsmith, man. I tell you what, yeah. I had a, I had a Marlin lever action 22 rifle and I broke a firing pin and Ivan Orr was another old guy at the gun club. And I was telling Ivan and broke a firing pin on my Marlin. And he says, bring it around tomorrow morning. What shift? Yeah. I said, afternoons, bring it around tomorrow morning. I'll make you a new firing pin. Really? He says, yeah, bring it around. You know where I live. Okay. So the next morning he took it apart, got it out, got his mics, measured it. And checked that it was it was a firing pin it had three steps in it. He took a piece of I don't know what kind of steel it was. I know it must have been hardened steel. Whatever he puts it on the lathe and he starts he starts turning it on these made these three steps and then he ground it down to the right length, put it back in and and then that done worked forever after that. Made me a firing pin just like that while I sat there and waited. He loved to have company. So I mean we became fast friends and he wasn't driving anymore and so he. He would the only time he got to go hunting is if he walked out the tracks from his house in town or he went with somebody. And so I used to sell him, you know, on afternoon shift, do you want to hunt with me? Sure. In fishing season. I said, You want to go fishing with me? Sure. So it got to the point where if it was fishing season and I pulled into his laneway in in the morning, he'd be waiting at the door. He'd see the car come in, he'd open the door, and then he'd holler over his shoulder, going fishing, Ann, back to his wife. Because it was fishing season. If it was hunting season and I pulled in, he'd holler, going hunting, man. And then he'd look at me, what kind of gun do I need? And he had a collection of old uh, English side-by-side doubles. So That would be awesome. That's that's my porn. He had a whole collection of them right inside his front door where you would hang your coats. He had about 15 of them lined up on the wall in in this gun case right in on the wall. Like like the gun cases at the gun club, only just one-sided. And they were all old English doubles. So he had gone hunting ducks with some of the guys from the gun club. And so he was telling me about his hunt. And I said, oh, man. And he says, we got six out of one flock and seven out of another. He says, so some of us must have been doing some shooting. And that's the way he talked. I said, yep, I would have liked to have gone. He says, well, they're probably still going over that field. You want to go tomorrow morning? Sure do. So I picked him up and him and I went. And we walked in, stood up against this wood. He says, they come around that wood, that corner, and they fly over this field looking to feed. And every flock that flew over avoided us. They were out too far. He says, well, they moved. He says, we're in the wrong spot this morning. And I said, well, it's getting late. I'm going to run down to that corner where they've been crossing, run down to that corner and see if maybe another flock might come in. So... I ran down without him, like he was an older fella, and I ran down as hard as I fast as I could. One, I just got there on the corner of the field, and a flock come around the far corner, went out wide, and then come back over and went to cut that corner, and they were shootable. And I thought, oh, man, the gun is fixed. It's not going to jam. I got up. I stood up on my – I was on my knees. I stood up, brought up my Model 12, took a shot, two fell, and I missed with the other two shots. 
the moral of the story is you didn't need the other two yeah, and you could have saved your ammunition. Yeah. The broken. third shot I on a rabbit I always yeah. contemplated. I wasted two shells there. I, I picked him up, went back, and he says, did you get two with the first shot? I was hoping he didn't notice. I was hoping he'd think I shot one, you know, twice and then missed with the third shot. But I said, yeah, I did. He says, should have had the other two. I know, I know. Yeah, but... Yeah, that used to just anybody I could find to go with. It was a great time. Well, how much time we got? I got one more story I'd like to share. Well, how many time? How much time we got? Oh, we got time. Okay. All right. So anyway, that picture that I sent you of Ivanor standing there with the grouse and that English double. I sent. Oh you yes, yeah. Yep. Anyway, that's Ivan. And that day we'd gone grouse hunting and rabbit. He loved the rabbit hunt and grouse hunt with me too. And that day. We were walking along the side of a ravine trying to kick up rabbits, and a grouse went out from the bottom of the ravine and flew up the other side, heading for the field on the other side of the ravine. And he brought that gun up, and I'm looking at him and think, what's he doing, practicing his swing? And he shot. And I looked over, and that grouse fell right on top of the ravine on the other side. And that's the grouse he's holding. I never saw anybody that can shoot grouse like Ivanor. Did that gun have two triggers or one? Two triggers. Two triggers. Yeah, they were, most of his had two triggers. Now, my L.C. Smith had one trigger, but his mostly had two triggers. Now, let me tell you something. You've not seen somebody shoot grouse like Ivan Orr, and he's hunt, dad's hunted with me. And he's seen me shoot grouse, so that's saying something. <laughs> not yeah. to sound cocky or arrogant, <laughs> yeah. that's saying something. Yeah, no, that wasn't cocky or arrogant at all. Anyway, <laughs> you didn't you didn't hunt it with uh, with a pipe in your mouth and a yeah. and a real nice hat. Oh yeah, that was his hunting hat and a pipe in his mouth, and yeah, <laughs> and he just walked low and slow. Yep, and talked slow too. Like I can still remember him saying, "Going fishing, and just like that." She'd say, okay, from the kitchen or whatever. It's like a cartoon. Yeah. Awesome. Anyway, 1972, <laughs> wintertime. And uh, it's fall, late fall. And Ron and I did a lot of hunting. Now, the Elmer Lagoons, uh, it used to get a lot of traffic and a lot of people. But we would go Is there. Is that now the police college? No. No, no. Elmer Lagoons. Oh, I think I know where you're talking then. Yeah, on Jones Side Road. Roberts, Roberts side road. Yep. So there's three lagoons and it was usually full of ducks and sometimes geese, but a lot of ducks. But Ron and I would only hunt there if it was bad weather because the bad weather kept a lot of people away and the ducks would come in off the lake a lot more than they would. And you, uh, they got to know not to decoy in there too, because there was guys sitting on every pond with three or four decoys out in front of them. So it was they get, tough. They get educated. And there's yep. tracks there. Guys now sit on the tracks and sky bust them, right? Yeah. <sighs> anyway, it was supposed to be a storm uh, the next morning. We're working. We're working afternoons. So we're going, we're getting off at midnight. And he says, you want to go to the lagoons tomorrow morning? It's supposed to be windy and the first snow in November. And I said, yeah, but if it's really bad weather, like, do you, do you want to drive there and do that? He says, well, if it's if it's got some good wind and some snow flurries, let's go. But if it's too bad, too miserable, then we just won't bother. So I said, what are we going to do then? Just get up in the morning, check the weather. And he says, yeah, let's just see how bad it is in the morning. And I said, okay. So 
I got up the next morning. The, my alarm went off about 4.30. I looked outside. I couldn't see my car. I couldn't see the road. Snow on the ground and wind whistling and blowing. And I thought, you okay, we're not going. He ain't coming in. He ain't coming this morning. So I went back into bed. 15 minutes later, I hear tap, tap, tap on the front door, on the sun porch front door. I go to the front door, and there he is standing there in his hunting clothes. I said, really? He says, yeah, I figure they're going to be flying. Nobody's there. What the heck? I'll drive. I, you know, I'll take the chance. I'll drive if you'll come. I said, well, you'll drive. I'll go with you. Well, yeah. grab your stuff and your gun, and let's go. So we drove down, could hardly see where we were going. We get in there, and we go to the back pond. And uh, I said, I didn't get to make a coffee or nothing. He said, I got a great big thermos here. There's enough for both of us because it was cold, cold and windy. And we didn't have clothes warm enough. I mean, we just were not warm enough. And so we're sitting there. But when the ducks come in, they weren't coming in in big flocks. This wasn't like they were feeding. They were just coming in to get away from the wind. And we were on the lee side. So we knew that they would want to come in on the side, come into the wind and land in the corner where the wind would be blowing over top of the banks and over top of them. So that's where we were sitting, right where they would come in and want to land to get out of the wind. And so if there was only one or two, we'd take turns being the first one to shoot. We'd back each other up. Well, I remember that we shot a couple blacks and a couple couple uh, mallards, and they were coming in, and they seemed to be coming in pretty regular. And the wind took them forever to get to us because of the wind. They're so slow flying, and they'd hang there. And then I remember there was three buffalo heads, not buffalo heads, but buffalo. They're fun. Buffalo heads, little, buffalo little butter, butter balls. I got, used to I got two of them in the freezer yeah. right now. And yeah. thanks to Nikki Obermach. Yeah. yeah, I do. He took me out on the, the lake. males with that big white puff on the back of their head. Oh, they're beautiful. And this was November. They were, they were full plumage. They looked wonderful. And there was three coming across the pond and coming in nice and slow. I said, Ron, it's your turn to shoot. I'll back you up. And he had that humpback A5 automatic rounding. And so he, he jumped up and he just kapow, kapow, kapow. And all three landed right in front of us. I went, Ron, you got a triple. He says, I got a triple. He said, I couldn't get freaking cold today if I went 40 below. And he was pumped. And I said, well, speaking of cold, I am. I think it's time for a coffee. I said, where's the thermos? He said, well, I was right there on the bench a minute ago. There it was at the bottom of the blind. And he picked it up and shook it, and it was busted. It was rattled inside. Oh, the glass yeah, on the inside the, of the, the old thermos, ones. Yeah, the old ones that as soon as you, you bump them or touch them and they shatter inside. And I went, oh, no coffee. But anyway, we got we got nine ducks that morning. And we had still lots of time, but I said, okay, we got nine ducks. And I don't remember whether it was six or five was the limit. Either way, we thought, okay, we got nine ducks. We did good. Let, let's get out of here. We're frozen. We'll stop at the diner on the way home in New Serum and have our have some lunch before we go to work. We'll get warmed up halfway home. So when you're heading back out to the highway, there was a, a, a dip over a, over a stream and a bridge. And the snow plows were far and few between back then, and they didn't salt the roads real good back then. So, And I remember Ron had a white car, and it was a newer car. It was white. I don't remember if it was a Ford or a Dodge, but he loved it. 
And so we go down in over to the dip, we go over the bridge and we start up the other side and we get part way up and he starts to slip and slide and slew and the back end's going sideways and it's obvious we're not going to get up to the highway. And he's sliding towards the right hand side of the road. And I said, gee whiz, you're getting close to the edge of the road here. So he stopped. He says, well, I got to back down, maybe take a different run or go back the other way and go all the way around the block of the highway. So he starts backing down, but it's so slippery. He's backing down and sliding sideways towards the bridge. Now the side of the bridge is right next to us. So he stops and then he says, okay, I got to try and go forward a little bit and, and, and give me, and then turn it the back way as he started to go forward a little bit. And then he turned the wheels and tried to back up and let it slide back. But, then the front come over and the front was going to hit the bridge. Well, then we tried to straight, the back end was going to hit the bridge. So now we're about six inches from the bridge, the side of his car, and he can't go up or down. And every time he tried to move, the car would slide sideways. And he would get mad at situations like that, where it looked inevitable. We're either stuck or he's going to ding his car. And he would get mad and he would start yelling and stinking lousy. And he, whoa, 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 run. Let me out. You got to let me out your side. So I got out and I walked around and he's only about six inches away from the bridge with the side of this really nice white car. So I, I climbed up on the bridge and I inched my way along between the car and the bridge. And I sat on the top rung and I put my feet on the side of his fender real gentle. And I said to him, Okay, slowly give it a little bit of gas. And he started to give a little bit of gas. The wheels spun, and on all my might, I pushed. And because it was so slippery and the wheels were broke loose, I actually pushed him away from the bridge. I said, now, can you let it put it in reverse and let it go back down if I hold, hold you there? He said, I'll try. So I got, between, I got between the bridge and the car, and every time that he started to let it go back down, I just put a foot up on the side of his car and kept it from sliding towards the bridge. And we got him back down at the bottom. We turned around and went out the other way. And uh, that was how we got out of there. But, oh, he was mad for a while. <laughs> the things you did for Duck Hunter. Yep. Well, then <laughs> we got the new serum. And, of course, you know, we're covered in snow and ice and, and we're cold and we went in there and sat down there, and I can remember the owner, Bob, he he says, where are you boys been? Oh, down the lagoon's duck hunting. What do you want? Hot coffee and bacon and eggs. So we had yeah. our lunch and, and then went off to work. So anyway, those were the good days. That was 1972. So good days stories. of lead. And 1972. The pictures I sent you, there's one of me. In that third lagoon, but it's not snow on the ground. I'm standing there holding a duck. That, yeah. was, that was where all this took place. But the two I, other two pictures I sent you, one of me and one of Ron, that was in front of my house with the nine ducks. That was that day. And I took a picture of Ron with the ducks, and then he took a picture of me with the ducks when he dropped me off that morning. So you can see there's snow on the ground. It had quit blowing and snowing by this time, but there was snow on the ground. That's how we were dressed, and that was the nine ducks we got that morning. Jeez, you guys would have froze. And he yeah. had his hair all done like he was going to uh, go, yeah. going out. And yeah. He, <laughs> yeah. Hey, did your neighbors give you a hard time for feathers all over your your front lawn? No, no. <laughs> we, 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 he we doesn't. Didn't, he didn't live yeah. in a bougie neighborhood, Bill. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I'm working on my neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> like, a lot of them, we like a lot of them was cold weather and that, and we. 
We either cleaned them in my basement or Ron's basement. You know. Oh, I, mom would lose it. I remember. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember my buddy uh, uh, Ian Frew, the first pheasant. He he moved over here from Scotland, and we became fast friends. And the first pheasant he ever shot over here in in Ontario was a really nice big cockbird. And he called me up and he says, hey, this is my first pheasant. Cause you you didn't hunt in Scotland. He did a lot of fishing, but he didn't hunt. He's you got to come over here and show me how to clean this bird. And I remember we went down his basement and I said, okay, they like put some papers out, get a bucket of water. We're going to need to rinse our hands and whatnot. And the first thing I, we're going to do is we're going to gut it. And I remember when we reached in, I reached in and I said, this, this is how you get the guts out. You got to reach in and pull the guts out. And I remember him puking. Because he puked. <laughs> he puked. the smell, I said, you get used to the smell after you clean the thirty or forty ducks in the morning. You know, you get you get used to the smell. No, he he's you didn't tell me it smelled this, and he puked. I remember that. But he none of that stuff that. ever bothered me. None of it. No. You know, I, I couldn't clean up kid puke, dog poop, but <laughs> gut shot deer or anything. It didn't bother me. It never bothers me. Yeah, I'm the same. But, hey, but change of diaper, well, I'm hold out. On. That's a hard pass on the change of diaper. Where are you going with the hold on? I know that hold on. Really? How many turkeys do you clean? <laughs> I actually cleaned my turkey last year. Well, yeah. Didn't because I? nobody else was around to do it for yeah, you? Yeah, I think so. Hey, that's a deal. Scotty's allergic to deer. I clean Scotty's deer. He cleans my turkeys. Turkeys are just the nastiest thing to clean. It doesn't bother me. It's just not fun. You just don't want to do it. It's just not. They got that, that blubber thing right in their neck that you don't want to hit that oh, sucker. Oh, that easy. That uh, out real easy. All right, show me this year. Stay puff marshmallow soft, like they said earlier. <laughs> It was a deal. I never had to clean turkeys. Yeah. <laughs> I do Scott's deer. He does my turkey. Well, anyway, well, that's 72. That takes us up to 1972. 1972. Six years later, this world got a whole lot better, folks. We'll get there eventually. Eventually. <laughs> but that was great stories. I appreciate the uh, the humor and, and, and the good old stories. No, I tell sure. you what. Right before we started this, I shared that I, I had a conversation with a, a new friend, Dan, today and he listened to the podcast and he says you know what he's like and, and i didn't want to say this to dad but you can see now tonight did you see how he just took command of the microphone and you couldn't shut him up can i share another story normally he's tapping me going i gotta go i gotta go and <laughs> you could uh, you could shut him up tonight and because nope. i shared i should share it online that he's like you know what that podcast i love your dad i'm like hold the phone you know i'm on the podcast right and, and he's like no your dad he's like everybody's dad. You know what I mean? I'm like, everybody's annoyed at their father. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not, but anyway, he's like, Oh, your dad makes the podcast. So I think he never this told is, me this. I, I think this is the, the, yeah, before well, you weren't listening then, <laughs> but, but yeah, he did. He said, no, your dad makes the podcast. That's but we realized that there. at the beginning of the days of lead, like, I don't know, this is volume six or whatever. We had enough yep. people reaching out saying, we want more stories from your dad. I'm a why. Why, people? But we'll keep bringing them. <laughs> Bring them. I keep. In, I, I enjoy them, and I'm sure our listeners do too. Oh, you kiss butt. Hey, you know what? I tell tell it the way it is, Hans. <laughs> well, I'm here to pump you up. That's it. <laughs> and that apparently. <laughs> Appreciate the anyway. Story, yeah. Thanks, Bill. We'll talk to you. Take care, Bill. Take care.
Take care. And that'll do it for this week, folks, for the Redneck Country Podcast. I'm Bill, the Almost Guy Tom. And I'm Todd. And thanks for listening. And folks, if you want to be part of the podcast or you want to give us some feedback or really contact us about anything, feel free to email us at podcast at theredneckcountry.com. Again, that's podcast at theredneckcountry.com. Thanks for listening. Talk to you again next week. <laughs>